Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please go to my host page at Voice America to connect with me in your favorite way. I've been so happy to hear from some of you, especially about what has moved you on the show and what you might like to hear in the future. As I prepare for my second season, I hope I'll hear from even more of you about the stories you want to share. Today, I welcome Amy DeFresny, kicking off her 30th birthday with a surprise celebration in Iceland. Amy was oblivious to the fact that the year would soon be filled with tragedy and unimaginable heartbreak. In the next 12 months, Amy lost the two most significant men in her life, her ailing father and her young husband. In her deepest state of grief, Amy realized she had a choice. She could simply give up or she could fight to keep going. She began letting go of fears to live her life to the fullest and realized her dream, dreams of being an author, a speaker, a radio show host, and healthy living chef. After transforming her own life, she now empowers other women around the world to create more joy in their lives. Welcome, Amy, and thanks for a wonderful book. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's my pleasure, for sure. Um, I was very moved in the book by the the intersection between your your profound grief, the profound grief you felt, and the work you now do with women trying to find their best life was you yes. were you headed towards doing that work before Ben died, or did that emerge afterwards well it's interesting the um my father passed away in the April at the end of April, and he had had cancer, and I wanted to look at ways to prevent cancer and to help and to help him heal and to and to prevent a similar fate for myself. And I went down kind of a route of um of health, of juicing, of raw foods and so forth. And I started after I started feeling a lot better and I was a life coach by trade anyway. Um I started mm-hmm. adding that into my life coaching and I worked uh at a chiropractic clinic and started learning more about wellness and stuff to supplement my income. And on the day in July that I actually had made the decision, I'm going forward with this raw food, I'm going forward uh, teaching people about healthy lifestyle and incorporating the coaching. Um, and I had cut down my hours at the chiropractic clinic and I went home early that day. It was the first day I could go home early. And I was like, my life is going to change. And I went home and made dinner, made plans, uh, and my husband Ben was out at a at a at a work event, and I got woken up that night by the police saying that he had, was in a car accident on his way home. So my life did change. Uh, Absolutely, it changed, it changed drastically, but not in the way that I had anticipated when I was leaving work that day. Um, the next day, I got. In the post I got in the mail, I got the uh, 
the business cards that Ben had helped me design. And there is just this little, in the back of my mind, thinking, okay, this is kind of a sign. I'm always looking out for signs. Hmm. Um, I believe the universe is guiding us in some way. If we're looking out for it, it becomes a lot easier. And I thought this is a sign that I need to keep going with this, but I also need to take time to grieve. And the other thing that I got in the mail that day was a wedding invitation to a friend's wedding. And, uh, and later she had told me I felt so bad because I knew that on the day that he passed away was the day that you got my wedding invitation. And I said, but that was the most beautiful thing I could have gotten in the mail because it showed Mm -hmm. me that love still existed. And I felt like I needed love at that time. I needed to know that it still existed. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't know if you agree, but I think there are these moments in our lives that we later look at and go, oh, complete turning point. But occasionally there's a moment like that and you actually know it. That sounds like an, a moment where you knew it. Yes. Uh, where everything was sort of in one direction turning point. Would yeah, that be true exactly. from your experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when I that I was studying raw food and stuff, I was kind of dipping a toe into it. And it actually, I signed up for this course for the raw food school in London where I lived. And the course ended up being the weekend after my father passed away. So I was back, I was in the States. We were taking, we're helping to take care of him for about a month. And uh, he passed away and it's like, I flew in back to London. And then people were like, well, you can't go to that course now. Like, of course you need to like take time to grieve. And I said, but I have to do this. If I don't do this now, when am I going to do it? Like, my life is now. That that was the message that I got when my father passed away. Like, you have to do things now. You can't wait to do them. So you kind of did, did course number one with your father and course number two with Ben in, in that awareness, yeah. huh? It, it, it's kind of like, okay, like the universe, you know, you're divine. We're all divinely guided. I think a lot of us don't see it, but when you open your eyes to it, yeah, I could have very easily just stayed home and cried all weekend, but I thought, why not go someplace where no one knows me? No one knows that what had happened and I can deal with my grief. I can, I can put that energy into it in a different way. And yes, I, I mean, I, I did go home and cry after the class and, <laughs> But yes. I was then able to help someone else. I thought, well, if I can help someone else from their father getting cancer or from themselves getting cancer or, you know, in some way help be some kind of catalyst so it doesn't continue to happen, then that's what I want to be. And why, why wait to be that? There's also a sense in what you're saying that I hear as um, something that seems so common in my experience and, and others the idea of redeeming a loss, uh, mm. the idea that you you want to honor the loss by making something out of it. Uh, does that fit for you? I think, yeah, I think, I don't know if I'd say redeeming. Maybe. I hadn't thought about it like that before. But I think you can learn something from every experience. Yes. Ben and I, you know, Ben and I were married for five years. And we'd go through experiences that, you know, oh, gosh, like, we really didn't want to be there or something, you know, we'd, we'd go out with people or something would happen and it would be a really challenging experience for us. And we'd get, and I would start complaining, <laughs> you know, you, the experience <laughs> is over and I'm like, oh, that really sucks. God, I don't want to do that again. And Ben would always say, well, what can we learn from this? 
what happened as a result that we wouldn't have gotten if this didn't happen. So it always made me think that way. Yes, that's so that's sort of the same idea, maybe a, a different way of expressing it, but that's exactly in line with what I was thinking. Yes, yeah. How do we use this, in a sense? So nice you steep- you bring your light into the world and share whatever message you are here to bring, where our life is a message. And, you know, it's, if it's, we step up to it and, and express it, mm-hmm. and it's in those moments of challenges that it's your time to step up and see what do, what do you want your life's message to be. You, you seem like someone that before all of this, uh, you were relatively geared to big changes, like moving to England to be with Ben or, you know, changing careers, that kind of thing. But I got the idea in the book that you also would have, you did it, but you also had a lot of anxiety about doing it. Would that be fair to say? That, that it was harder than... Say. <laughs> that would be very fair to say, yes. Uh, I moved to England with Ben probably about six months after we were dating. And I had never been so happy. And I mean, he was my sunshine. He just lit up my world. I had been living in New York for about five years. And I was bored. And I was angry. I was bored in New York. Like, who, who gets bored in a big city like this? <laughs> it's just, just crazy. So... I was, I had a lot of anxiety about things and looking at, not looking at the positive way of things. And somehow, I just had so much fun with him. It just brought out that joy. It was like the sun came out on a gray day. And you're just Mm. like, wow, you just want to enjoy that sunshine. So when he said, hey, I'm going back to England. Do you want to come? I was like, okay, let's go. (laughs) And we're on the plane. And I'm thinking, I don't, this feels really right. But I don't really know what's going to happen. He was on a work-study program in New York, and I had went back to England with him and did the the reciprocal work-study program for a year. But I didn't actually have... I wasn't actually accepted into the program when I was on the plane. So there was a lot of up in the air, like, what if I don't get accepted? What if I don't get a job then from it? But it all seemed to be right. So I kind of... I went with that little... That little part of me that said, okay, no, this is the right thing, and, and put aside, cast aside all those fears and anxiety. But they were definitely more prevalent than they are today. Uh-huh. <laughs> the well, I guess, loud today. I guess that sort of defines courage. You know, it's uh, one of my teachers would say it's foolhardy if you're not afraid. It's courage yes. if you are. <laughs> so yeah. you, you had to display a lot of courage to make those kinds of changes. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel as if the the part of your book uh, where you, uh, at the beginning where you talked about what you said at the memorial, or actually mm-hmm. put that part in the book, I think listeners would appreciate hearing where you started your grief, you know, um, I think there is that way that a memorial makes you crystallize something that you then have to catch up with for a long time sometimes. Um, So where did you start? Let's hear where you started, your intention. Um, My intention when I wrote those words? No, I think those words sound like an intention to me. You know, kind of what you wanted to 
honor about him they having were. been in your life. And interestingly enough, when I wrote those words, I wrote them a few days, or maybe it was, yeah, it was probably a few days after he passed away. And they kind of just came out of me. And I don't know where they came from. Hmm. So I don't know if you've ever experienced it, something like that, Cheryl. It's just like, uh, it just came out and it was like, whoa, okay. And that was kind of a guide. So I, I'd be happy to share that. Wonderful. Um, so these were the words that were read at his life celebration. Ben was the most amazing person I have ever met. He had loads of energy and inspired me. He was enthusiastic and always packed in as much possible into his life, whether it was traveling, rock climbing, cycling challenges, swimming, photography, cooking, or advancing his career. He was passionate and loved life. I had not started living life until I met Ben. We spent eight fantastic years together. The life we shared in those years was brilliant. We moved from the States to England and traveled extensively in the UK, as well as visiting France, Germany, Portugal, Italy, Spain, and Australia. We tried new things together, snorkeling, hot air ballooning, rock climbing, and parasailing, just to name a few. Life was always an adventure. We went through tough times, but we got through them together and always came out stronger and closer because of them. I told Ben every day that I was the luckiest girl in the world to be his wife and to have his love. Whenever I was unsure or worrying about what to do in a situation, Ben would say, Amy, stop analyzing everything so much and just do it. Everything will be okay. Ben could always see the positive in any situation. It would have been a wasted eight years if I didn't take what I learned from Ben and apply it to my life. Ben, for you, I promise to go on living life. I hope to inspire people the way you inspired me with your energy and enthusiasm. I know you'll be with me, helping me along the way. People keep saying it is unfair and you were taken too soon. I would have been honored to have you with me for 800 years, but that would have been selfish. I know there must be a better place and you deserve to be in the best place. You are always in a hurry to get to great places. You won the race, Ben. Enjoy your victory. Mm. It, it touches me so much that uh, you could be there so close to such a shocking loss. And then, of course, grief must be done. <laughs> but but right. that it kind of gave you a map for, for where you wanted to head. It did. It did. Like, I read those words and thought, after they had kind of come out of me, going, wow, really? <laughs> okay, that's kind, of a, <laughs> that's kind of a big, that's a lot of courageous steps I'm going to need to take to do this. Mm. But, yeah, one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess... Obviously, some of those things are familiar and also different because of the suddenness of that loss. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you that my that my wife died, but she was ill for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. And so what strikes me about that that passage is just that you were able to say those things right off the bat, you know, that that, that poured out of you. I think one of the reasons that it did pour out of me like that is because both my dad and Ben were such 
were such lights in my life, and they were so, they lived life to the fullest. Remember my dad saying um, years ago, I was probably like 18, and my friend's father had died, and he was saying, you know, you, you mourn the loss, but then you get on and you move on with your life, and you have to love, you know, you you show, you live your life, you don't live someone else's life, so you mourn them, but then you move on, keeping them in your heart. And when he was sick and nearing the end of his life, he said, I've loved everything. I don't have any regrets. I've mm-hmm. loved it all. He said, mm-hmm. I know I've made mistakes, but I've loved everything. I wouldn't change a thing. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty powerful to get to the end of your life and not have any regrets and, and love to everything that you've done. And Absolutely. Like that. And uh, after his funeral, I said to Ben, like, okay, well, what do you want at your funeral? Just, like, what do we want we need to discuss? Because, you know, when someone dies, it brings up the fact that, okay, let's be prepared. We don't want it to happen, but let's be prepared. And I said, I would want to know what you wanted. Um, And, of course, you know, he, he didn't want to talk about it. And then I'm telling him what I would want. I would want, you know mourners crying and statues erected and all of these things were <laughs> ridiculous. And he said, you know, Amy, I just, I would want people to celebrate my life because I love my life. And I would just want people to celebrate it. And he said, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want anyone to wear black. I would just want people to have a big party. And that's uh. what we did for his life celebration. I had no idea I would be doing it so quickly. Yes. <laughs> But that's it, a, it was that that was in the back of my mind. That's a great place yeah. to cut to our first break. Um, <laughs> and and when we get back, I'd really like to talk more about the grief of it because, of course, we're talking about where you started out and ended up, and there was all that in between. So, um, in these few minutes, listeners, be sure to go to my host page, Good Grief at VoiceAmerica.com, my website, www.weatheringgrief.com. I'm available for individual and couples therapy in the San Francisco Bay Area and for speaking and consulting all over the country. To reach Amy, go to www.amydefresny.com or to her Facebook page. And we'll be with you right after the break. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance, and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies. But 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word Talk Radio to 96362. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, the host of Good Grief. You can find me at Voice America and at my website, www.weatheringgrief.com. And today I'm speaking with Amy Dufresne, a healthy living coach who lost her father and husband within six months of each other and who considers her own passionately lived life and honoring of those losses. Amy, I thought this segment I'd like to hear the section from your book of that that talks about you sitting with Ben's coffin at his I don't know if you called it a memorial or a funeral. Um, we we called it a life celebration. Like life was, celebration, yeah. even better. C- could you share that with us? Sure. Are you okay in there? I asked, lightly running my fingers over the red polished box. It reminded me of a Ferrari Formula One racing car, your favorite. I bent down, half expecting an answer. My mind was still on your safety. Did you have enough room? My fingers tried to open the box in an attempt to release you, almost, but I knew it was sealed, and my efforts would be futile. I sat down and rested my head on the box, just like I used to rest my head on your chest. I wanted you out of the box or to be in the box with you. I wondered how long they would allow me to stay. I had no idea if it was minutes or hours later when I heard a small knock breaking me out of my reverie and back to reality. My brother popped his head around the door. You okay, he asked, knowing the question was silly, but not knowing what else to say. I raised my head from the red box, and he came in and sat next to me. I knew I soon needed to leave the red box. The box containing the life I knew, the many memories we shared, and the countless plans we had for our future. When I left that room, I would be leaving so much more than just your body. My brother and I sat silently for a while. Then, in an attempt to be helpful, he asked me what stage of grief I was in. Denial? Anger? Acceptance? He uttered the last word with hopefulness in his voice. Guilt. He looked surprised by my response. His eyes conveyed that he wasn't sure he wanted to know the answer, but still he asked, Why do you feel guilty? Because for the last six months of Ben's life, all I did was cry about Dad. I was upset the cancer was back. I cried because it was growing. I cried because his health was getting worse by the day. And I cried when he passed. I just cried and cried. I remember Ben saying to me on more than one occasion, Where is my wife gone? You cry so much, you are like a different person. I want my Amy back. Although I tried to hide it from him, I continued to cry, and he knew me so well, I could never hide things from him. Later that evening, I asked for absolution. Please forgive me, Ben. 
If I had known it was going to be the last six months of your life, I would have spared you and saved all my tears to shed now. I'll do my best to be your Amy. I love you, dear wife. Mm. That that grief over your father, I mean, on the one hand, you say you would have uh, saved it for later if you knew. On the other hand, how could you have? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, exactly. It, it seems so <laughs> compelling that you were blessedly close to your father and mm. that loss seems like it would would have been unavoidable. Do you think so? I think, you know, there's a, there's a certain, if I had known it would have been our last time together and I enjoyed our time together still, but it was so consumed with, it was just an all-consuming grief and sadness. I had never lost anyone before. I never went to a funeral. Um, it just, this was all very new to me. And I think I could have been maybe in some point stronger or enjoying the moment more with Ben rather than worrying about, oh, God, like, what do I do now? And I think a lot of it was selfish worry. Like, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do without my dad? What about me? What about me? When it wasn't mm. looking... You know, when we went to, to help and take care of it, it was all about this, okay, what can I do for you? And I think that helps a lot because you're, when you're of service to someone else, it helps you heal as well. And it takes that selfishness away, if that makes sense. It, it does. It yeah. It could have been a little less selfish the last six months. I, it was what it was, and I know I... But, that, you know, that was definitely, especially when I was writing that, that's how I felt, like, all I did for the last six months. And, and he said, God, I want, I want my Amy back. Where's the, where's the woman I married? Yes. And I didn't know where she was either. Right. Well, the other thing I hear in that is just the natural, um, I, I guess the way I think of it is, is it's so hard to accept that we're out of control, mm-hmm. that we look first at the things we think we could have controlled uh, yeah. and that's something you felt you had more options about than you than you exercised yeah so it makes sense to me that you kind of went there first <laughs> <laughs> and of it's, course grief that's is a, grief is a funny thing it's a funny it thing is. it hits you it hits you when you think you've gone through something, it will come back, and it's like a wave that comes back unexpectedly. You think the ocean's all going to be calm, and then suddenly there's this huge wave that takes you over. Mm. And you're like, whoa, where am I going? And then you're getting back up on your feet again. It sounds as if, actually, in both losses, your father and your husband, you were able to... Um, I guess I want to say, say yes to grief, let it happen, which of course isn't always true. Do you know what in you made that possible? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the spiritual stuff that I did before kind of prepared me for when it happened that to know that I needed to feel a certain way. I needed to, I needed to feel my feelings. I needed to feel it. So it was so before, you know, you could stuff down emotions and go, okay, well, I'm not going to deal with that later, or I'm going to eat instead, or I'm going to do something else to cover up those emotions. 
but I felt them, but I would find a comfortable place. I would find a safe place to release them. I wasn't just releasing them out in the world. When I went to work, I was at work, but when I was home, I took that time to grieve, and I took that time to do spiritual guidance, and that was before, like when my dad got sick. Both of my parents were diagnosed with cancer in 2004, so that was kind of then that I started looking at other ways um, to help heal and, and, you know, both mind, body, and spirit. And I would listen to, like, Hay House Radio. I'd listen to, like, radio shows like yours and listen to, listening to those things and kind of taking them on board when something happened. It then was easier for me. I use the word easier, but, you know, I was more prepared in a certain way. I was kind of, you know, if you kind of think of an example, um, it was just, it prepared me in a certain way. Like it, it if, you're, sounds if you're running a marathon, if you're if you're a runner, and then you're like, okay, you have to run a marathon today. Well, the person <laughs> who has been running and training is going to do a lot better than the person who's been like sitting in front of the couch watching TV. For sure, I just yeah. ran one this year, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, preparation is key, especially at sixty. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, um, that that's that's very. Um, uh, important to me what you're saying because there are many people out there that say that you can't prepare for loss or death and I, I just can't agree at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and But what you're saying is what you prepared was yourself to go through the experience by giving it permission by saying, okay, I need to be real about what I'm going through. I need to get support. I, all the kind of rules of grief you'd already thought about. Yeah. I think, you know, when I, I'm very solution-based. I think every, every problem has a solution. Every challenge has, has a way around it, has a way through it. And grief, you have to go through it. You can't get around it. You've got to go through it. And I... I went on, um, a few weeks after he died, I went on and tried to find widow groups because I didn't know any other young widows. Mm. You know, I was 30 years old, and I didn't know anyone else my age who had lost a husband. And I tried to find support and went to a widowed group. It was called, it was, it was all young widows. And, um, and I went, and, and they said, you're, you're here too early. <laughs> I said, mm. but my husband's <laughs> dead now. <laughs> like, what am I waiting for? What does that even mean? <laughs> I, you know, you're confused enough when you're in grief and, and things don't make sense. And I was like, what? Like, oh, you came too soon. <laughs> what is the period? When should I come back? It was, it was very strange. <laughs> so they had all taken a while to get to where you were already? Is that what no, no. you got and from I mean, that? I think it I'm not really sure. I still don't really understand it. <laughs> <laughs> did you stay or did you did you leave? I stayed uh, for most of the group during it was one activity, and I did not and I did not go back. But um, yeah, it just I don't want to say that I was further along than them. I think I just had a different mindset than them. Well, what I I don't mean in a kind of. Um, a versus C way. Right, right, I, I right. mean, in some way, you already knew something about 
how you want it to maneuver, you know, maneuver yeah. through, as opposed to you're completely at sea and then you kind of figure it out later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was. <laughs> it is. It's so. I mean, it's interesting because. As I said, my dad was my first boss, and then, you know, you lose someone who's so close to you, who you see every day. You know, it's, it's very different losing a husband than to a father. Yes. Um, and people's reactions. And I, personally, when someone when someone else had passed away, or like a friend of a friend or something, I never knew what to say to someone grieving. And it was always, like, heartbreaking, because I didn't know what to say, and I knew I'd say something stupid or... Um, that's how I felt. So I'd probably avoid the people. And then I realized like people were avoiding me. Other people were, you know, they were trying to be helpful. Um, so it, it was interesting the people I was sharing with someone the other day, like the people, some people that you weren't even very nice to you or didn't speak to you before kind of came out of the woodwork or were some of the most helpful people ever. And then some of the people that maybe you considered your best friends, they just didn't know what to do, and they kind of just faded away for a little while. And I found that interesting. I don't know if you found that with your own grief, Cheryl. Absolutely. And and it seemed to divide, and tell me if this is also true for you, people that had experienced a major loss of some kind were a lot better at hanging in there. In the people in my yeah. life who who knew yeah. that territory were a lot better at just saying something, <laughs> you know. Yes, yeah, and and being willing to have it be wrong and corrected, or you know, just sort of show up and say, "I don't know what to say." If that's what was that happening, was always very well received by me. There wasn't anything to say, and mm-hmm. they didn't. And I felt bad that they had to struggle to try to say something because I knew how that felt because I had been in that position so many times. So when they said, "I just don't know what to say," a lot of people I I would see them, um, and some people would invite me to lunch or something, and I would go because I felt like I need to get out, otherwise I'm going to go crazy. Uh, and they wouldn't say anything about it. And then I would get home, and there'd be an email saying. I I wasn't being disrespectful. I just don't know what to say about it. So I want I pretended things were normal, and I'm so sorry if that upset you. But it really didn't upset me because we I could pretend things were normal too. Like we had I had to reach some kind of normal. So just having lunch with someone and not talking about how I felt or or you know how bad things were, or what was different, or how I was feeling. That was nice. It was just nice to, like, enjoy some good food together and and have a conversation about other things and then know that they were actually thinking of me, too. So I always felt that, like, little email when I got home was, hey, I'm thinking, just, you know, and I'm sorry I couldn't say anything. Some people said um, I couldn't say anything because it's brought up all this pain in my own life that I haven't dealt with. Mm. And I thought that was really sad. Well, and but also it's very, uh, there, there's an opening there. It's a very authentic thing yeah. to say. Uh, yeah. And, and to me, that's, that's all that's really required is to sort of show up with yourself and yes. say what's true, yeah. not try to say the right thing and be exactly. willing to say the wrong thing a little bit. And yes? if it brought up their own pain, it's also 
something that they could work through then too. I, I would see that as an opportunity. If, if something that happened to me brought up your own pain and you couldn't talk to me about it, um, that's fine not talking to me about it, but then dealing with that pain because there's a reason it's coming back up. Absolutely. Yeah. And so in that way, it put you in the position of maybe being an un, um, an accidental teacher about grief a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I had one person who, when I went back to work at the chiropractic clinic, she walked in the door and saw me and burst into tears and said, my husband died 16 years ago. It never gets any better. It's horrible. It only gets worse and you're never going to recover. Oh! <laughs> which that was, was quite really a mouthful. Easy to take, which was not really, it. she was saying all of this through tears as well, and just like, very emotional. And I, I was taking all my strength just to be sitting there having a normal work day. I had gone back to work to have a normal day. <laughs> and that, I had to excuse myself to the bathroom after that. But I, I feel for her that I, said to myself at that time, I don't want to be that person in 16 years. You know, I don't want to honor Ben like that. I want to honor him by living a beautiful life. And so when I get to the end of my life, I can say to him, look what I did. Like, Hmm. rather than I just cried the rest of the time. (laughs) Well, yes. Well, that sort of fits in with the way that you came at the whole, all those losses that you that you um, were geared towards figuring out what you could learn from experiences up front. You know, I always yeah. say if, if I got to choose one quality for people I'm working with, for instance, it would be that quality that you have a sense of being able to learn from even a, even a hard experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we learn the most from our hardest experiences. It seems to be true by and large. Absolutely. Well, it's time for our second break. After we come back, I know you're about to embark on yet another new adventure <laughs> that, that really yes. connects with what we're talking about and kind of living your joyful life and, and being who you have in you to be in the world. So I'd like to talk about that when we come back. Great. Um, and in these few minutes, all of you can go to my host page, Good Grief at voicemara.com america.com or my website weatheringgrief.com please be in touch and um, tell me what you think about what's happening on the show and find out more about Amy's work at her website www.aimeedufresne.com we'll be back after the break If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance, and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies. But 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word Talk Radio to 96362. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, the host of Good Grief. Once again, you can find me and connect with me in any way you'd like at my host page at Voice America. Today, I have with me Amy Dutrain, a life coach whose experiences of loss helped her to commit to creating her own most joyful life. Amy, I want to share with the audience something you wrote to me while we were um exchanging emails about doing this show and it really touched me so I'd like to start this segment that way you wrote when I was going through my grief process I felt I had instantly earned a PhD in sadness and what I needed was hope to help me through I love the quote from Milton Erickson life will bring you pain all by itself your responsibility is to create joy I, I just I love what you said, and I really love what he said, too, and the way that yes. they fit together. <laughs> there's there's joy out there. Like, the pain is easy. That's, you know, that's going to come. But if you start uncovering the joy, that's when the magic of life starts to happen. And it is magical. And there's sort of, um, I think, I think uh, you had something like this in your book, that sense of if you faced up to this, what else does life have to throw at it, at you? <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, what is there really to be all that afraid of? Mm-hmm. Um, is that a fair paraphrase of what you said? It is. Yeah. I, a friend had said to me. It was, I think it was actually a few hours after Ben's death, um, and he had come over to wait with me while we waited for his family to come over. And he said, "Do you know, Amy? This is all terrible." everything that's happened, Ben, with your dad and everything. But look at it this way. If you get through this, you can get through anything. And that that kind of just resonated with me a little bit. Like, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. You mean every other thing? And I was worried about everything. I was worried about money. (laughs) I was worried about career. I was worried about love. I was worried about, you know... Are we going to stay together? Like, you know, we had a great relationship, but it was always that worry. Like, well, what if we didn't? Well, what if that happened? Well, what if all these bad things? Your basic anxiety, huh? Exactly. (laughs) What if, what if, what if? (laughs) Exactly. And I thought, well, 
if I get through this, and I can get through anything. That that was just like this glimmer, this glint of, oh my gosh, freedom. And wouldn't that be cool? And I just mm-hmm. have to get through this first. Just one thing. <laughs> Just, just one really, really, really yeah. big thing. <laughs> but yeah, like it was, it was a glimmer. So that always, that always resonated with me. And Ben had had these shoes made, these crazy sneakers he loved in bright different colors. And after my dad passed away, he thought, we'll go and, and we'll get his shoes made. Um, so he spent so much time at the Nike store, like picking out what colors and all the things that he wanted. And uh, finally makes a decision, and we're putting it all in the computer, the assistant is, and then says to him, what do you want the shoes to say? What words do you want on the shoes? Mm. So he looks at me, and I look at him, and I'm like, they're your shoes. You know, what do you want them to say? And he thought about it for a minute, and then he was like, ah, I know what I want to say. Keep going. <laughs> So his shoes say, keep going. And I'm left, you know, he never got to wear the shoes. You know, he, he died before, uh, he saw, he saw the shoes, but he never wore them. And, uh, there I am left with this, with these shoes. Like I said, the universe guides you with different things, like getting the business cards and the mail and the wedding invitation. And it's just, you know, if I'm looking at these shoes saying, keep going when I want to do anything, but. But, are those those are I the did. shoes on the cover of your book, aren't they? I'm looking at those them are, right now. Yes, those are the shoes on the cover of the book. <laughs> <laughs> those are keepers. <laughs> they are. They go around mm-hmm. with me to all the talks that I do, and yeah, so they're they're getting a lot of use. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so aware that you're about to once again reinvent your life to a degree. Um, because we've been talking about you packing while we've been talking about this show. Can yes. you tell the listeners what you're about to do? Because it's so exciting. <laughs> we are about to go on a joy ride. So I have, um, I have received so much feedback, like really touching feedback from people who have read the book and um, from widows who are ready to rebuild their lives or single women who are looking for more love in their lives. And this really surprised me. I've heard from married women who have kind of like reignited that spark in their marriage after reading the book Hmm. and all the the love story that it contains. So I'm thinking, well, I can, you know, I do a lot of internet-based stuff, but I love to like meet people and get the word out there. And and this word, the message of joy, like, yeah, you know, just like Mel Erickson said, you know, pain's going to come, life's going to throw you pain, but it's for us to pick up that joy and then help uncover that joy. So we are going on a joy ride. And, and we uh, is you and who? Me and my husband. Ah. <laughs> we are <catching> up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure um, the listeners want to hear a little bit about that. <laughs> yes. Well, it would, I'm very blessed to have an amazing man in my life who I call Ben my sunshine and Farouk is my moon. Hmm. Because he came to me at the darkest hour, and he just lit up a whole new world of possibility and a whole new adventure. And he he's incredible. Um, and he's he's so on board with this message, and he 
I love how he says, we're, we're so worried that we lose someone and we feel we have to leave them behind, right? People tell you to move on. It's time to move on. Like, are you, gonna, are you, are you over it yet? I mean, mm. I got that a lot. Um, and you don't want to leave your loved ones behind. No. Like, I don't want to leave Ben behind. I want to take him with me everywhere. <laughs> y- you didn't break up. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's, I know when people say he's my ex-husband, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Like, no, he's, no, no. You know, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> exactly. That essence of that person is always within you, and their spirit is always with you, is what I believe. And, um, you know, when the sun comes up and Farouk and I wake up and the sun shining through the window, Farouk always says, hey, Ben, thanks for joining us today. Like, uh, he's just, he. that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he just sees him as part of our family. So we're taking our family on the road. <laughs> We're packing up, and uh, we're going around different cities. We're we're heading to Michigan in May, and uh, I'm going to be giving talks on to uncover the joy, on how to uncover the joy in your life. And uh, we're going to be doing some joyful events. We're looking to partner with yoga studios and um, some raw and vegan cafes or wellness centers, new age shops. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know it sounds that way where it looks like we're people keep going well yeah but then you're going to come back right no we're we are selling most of our stuff we're releasing it um we're going to keep a little storage unit but we're going to live in our car like well we're going to be driving in our car and then we're going to be with uh friends and family in Michigan I'm from Michigan Mm -hmm. and uh we're going to be doing some house sitting some couch surfing some all all different kinds of fun stuff (laughs) So, and if families host us, they get my husband's a wine consultant. I'm a raw vegan chef. They get, you know, you get a personal chef and wine consultant to stay with you and teach you. Who would want that? <laughs> so, so you're see, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get a bunch of offers and then compare where you'd like to go. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we're looking at going around the East Coast until September, and then we're heading up the West Coast, um, Portland, San Francisco some areas around there after September. Well, well then we're going to have to meet in person when you come out here. Yes, that would be <laughs> wonderful. I would love that. That would That'd be, be great. And that <laughs> and that idea of just sort of um, sort of traveling around opening joy just um, appeals to me a great deal. Um, yeah. You know, having fun with something that of course contains difficulty mm-hmm. but you don't sound I'm not hearing the difficulty when we talk about this trip no I know that there will be challenges absolutely um, but it's going to be so much fun <laughs> like I really <laughs> want to focus on the fun and those challenges will come and we'll, we'll deal with them um, we're working out a lot of details now and but uh, I just it's I don't want to get to the end of my life and not have done this it's that little. It's that little voice inside. We all have it. That little voice is telling you to do something, and it's so easy to go. Yeah, but you don't know what you're talking about. That's crazy. Like people don't leave their homes and and go traveling on the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people don't do well, that. Apparently, they do if they're you and yeah, your husband. Well, it's, <laughs> when you listen to the voice, then you start doing something different. You know, every great thing was created because someone thought differently and mm-hmm. made it different and made it better. People need to wake up to joy. It's time. I think it's definitely time. Absolutely time. You know what I'd like is if you could read the, uh, and this fits 
in with what we're talking about. Read the section of your book uh, about leaving London. Yes. I'd be happy to. I entered the new Terminal 5 at Heathrow Airport, soon to be whisked off to my new life. It had been a whirlwind past few days. My leaving party was at one of our very, well, my very, favorite French restaurants, Restaurant Noel. I had been frequenting it since Ben's death and always brought along friends for special occasions, so I thought it was a perfect place. There was a good turnout, and I was delighted to see many of my friends, some of whom traveled quite a distance, even as far as from Manchester and Leeds, to wish me well on my new journey. My good friends from Leeds, along with Allison and Kevin, helped me move the last of my belongings out of the house. It suddenly seemed so empty, a shell of the place it had once been when Ben and I initially made it our home. How incredible the drastic changes in life were. Nothing stayed the same. I stood in the doorway for one last look. I could feel everyone's eyes on me, and I didn't want to linger. As I shut the door behind me, I felt everyone was waiting for me to cry. Instead, I chose to leave my tears in the house. I had been sobbing there for months. I took along the happy memories in my heart to keep forever. We headed to a hotel in Richmond, West London, where I stayed for a day until leaving for Apsley, Richmond, Virginia. When the black cab picked me up to take me to the airport, it was pouring rain. It pelted down loudly on the car and reminded me of all the tears I had shed in the last 15 months. Rivers of tears. I hoped this new beginning brought with it more sunshine and less rain. Text messages wishing me well in my new life kept coming during the cab ride until I boarded the plane, where I finally had to shut off my cell phone. As the plane took off, so began my new life. I love that sense of adventure and and um, taking off into the unknown with with um, why not? There's a sense yeah. of why not. Thanks so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and Thank I you, hope to see you one of these days. Yes, we'll bring yeah, the for sure. <laughs> Listeners, I hope you'll join me next week when I will welcome Harriet Warshaw, the Executive Director of the Conversation Project, a public engagement campaign to get everyone's end-of-life wishes expressed and respected. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. Don't forget to go to the Good Grief homepage at Voice America to email me, like me on Facebook, follow on Twitter, connect on LinkedIn. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 